turn back to that Psalm 128, or if you didn't turn, that's where our text will be. And our text this morning comes from verses 22 and 23. They read this way. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art, how merciful Thou art. I thank Thee, Lord, for drawing us all here this day and providing this place for us to worship. Thank Thee, Lord, for Thy Word that has been provided this far. Pray, Lord, that this would indeed be another hour of refreshing, a time that You would come to our souls and anoint this time that You may quicken our souls and make us alive unto Thee. Lord, bless the words that will come and May you be pleased to open up our hearts and bring us to thy feet to be instructed, O Lord. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read this psalm this morning, certainly you see the sovereignty of the Lord in it. Our text this morning in 22 and 23, you see the sovereignty of the Lord doing his will as he pleases. Exalting his son in spite of man. The stone, which we know to be Christ, and we'll prove that out here in a few minutes, the builders refused. That's man. He came into his own, and his own received him not. He's become the headstone of the corner. He has become the head of the church. He is the head of the church. And it's not by man. It's not by religion. It's not by... Uh, what man says or what he does that has made it that way, but our text tells us this is the Lord's doing. The Father has exalted His Son and has given His Son everything in His hands to reign over His church, to reign and give them everything that they have need of. Those graces that Brother Paul just spoke of are in our Lord and Savior. And he is faithful to give those daily as his children need them. He he is faithful to give them and work them out, as was said. How precious is our Lord. How great is his faithfulness. The rest of our text, though, says something this morning that says, It is marvelous in our eyes. That's what I ask you today. When you hear these words and you read this psalm and you, re- you hear that his mercies are new every day, is that marvelous? Do you marvel at what the Lord has done for you and your soul? And to marvel at it, certainly the Lord has, has to have done something in your soul to reveal to you the sinner that you are. And the sinner that you have been, the sinner that you were, what he saved you from, and what you backslide to. Because the Lord reveals that to every one of his people. It is marvelous to see the great work of salvation that the Lord would save even a wretch such as I. Because the wages of sin is death and you and I sin every day. But yet, he's overruled that by the preciousness of his blood, the righteousness that he's clothed us in, the forgiveness that he has wrought. All that he has done 
Is that marvelous to you? Do you marvel at it? Do you marvel and say, Lord, I don't deserve this. Because even the best of us in here, and, and I use that term loosely, that, that try to obey every day, and I do believe we all do. We all love the Lord. We all want to obey every day. But as you're revealed and as I'm revealed that we fall short to that, to that every day, is it marvelous to you that he has put that sin away? That he has forgiven it? That, that he hasn't left us there to dwell upon that? That we have fallen short every day, but he hasn't. So the, this morning I want to talk about this text. I want to speak of Christ being the stone first and foremost. I want to take you a couple of places where the Lord established that because this stone is the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's hold our finger here and let's go back to Matthew first or turn forward to Matthew because that's where Jesus established the same text where he speaks of himself. And that's Matthew 21. And now Jesus after, and we were going to pick up in verse 42, after um, all these parables that he uh, spoke, and after he talked about the husbandmen and how he talked about how bad that they was treated and how they put them to death, and then the the judgment that the son would take upon them, or the father would take upon them, or the husbandmen, then they said, unto, "Okay, well we'll go to forty-two. Jesus said unto them, Did you never read the scriptures?' Which is where we were today." Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Have you never seen that, you blind Pharisees? Have you never seen that, professing disciples? Have you never heard of that? That the Father has exalted the Son? That he has done this wonderful thing. That it is the Lord's doing. Even though man said I won't have him to reign over him. me. That in our carnal nature we say that every day by our rebellion. By our inability to obey. Our inability to love. Our inability to hope. Our inability to believe. But in his faithfulness. In his great love. In his great mercy. Is that marvelous to you? And Jesus says that. He says, therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you. It's not, Jesus told his disciples, we come to the house of Israel. I'm sending you to the house of Israel. But that would be taken from them. The message would go out to the Gentiles. Praise God for that, because we would never have heard it. And he said, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. That nation is the nation of God that's in Christ Jesus. Gentile, Jew alike. And whosoever, notice this, whosoever shall fall on this stone. Notice that. Whosoever shall fall on this stone. That's not of our power. That almost gives me the imagery that we're, we're groping in the dark, we're searching for something, and we fall. And as we fall upon this rock, we're broken as the breaker that is spoken to us, the Lord Jesus Christ in Micah. 
He was spoken to us of the breaker. He breaks down that hard heart. He breaks down that stony heart. And He gives you a heart of flesh to love Him. Not the flesh of the evil nature. But a willingness and a desire to love Him and to follow Him and to obey Him. A desire to do that. He shall break that person down. He shall strip them down. Strip them of their own creature righteousness. Strip them of everything they depend upon. That's our Lord. Is that marvelous in your eyes? But on whomsoever he shall fall, or it shall fall, the stone, it will grind him to powder. That's the two-edged sword of our Lord. So merciful, so loving, so faithful to his church and to his own. But to those outside of Christ, a just judge we just said that we know we sin every day and that that we fall short to his glory every day and that that is something that we know that the bible tells us the wages of that is death so in that sense all men deserve that but in christ jesus he has put that away he died for us that we should never die. That's what our psalmist will say today. I'm not going to die. I live in Christ Jesus. So now let's go over to Acts 4. Peter picks this up. Same idea. Remember we're talking about Christ being the cornerstone and who He is. The one that the church is built upon. The one that the whole world will whose knee will bow unto Him. <coughs> And look at Acts 4 and look at uh, verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised, this is Peter speaking, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is when they healed the impotent man. And they looked at Peter like he had done something. Peter said, no, it's by Christ this man now can do what he can do. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders that you rejected. This is the stone. This is the one that was spoken of in the scriptures, which has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the head of his church. And no man can put that down. No man can thwart his will. No man can stay his hand. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other salvation in any other man's name, any other man's creed, any other religion, any other whatever you want to call it. Neither is salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Peter, in the power of the Holy Ghost, exalts Christ as that headstone, cornerstone, and Christ as being our only salvation. Now turn with me over to 1 Peter, the last place we'll go, just to establish this point, 1 Peter chapter 2. This whole section is called Christ our cornerstone, but we'll just pick up, well, we'll back up to 3. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you've tasted that the Lord is gracious... And these things are marvelous in your eyes, then, then this is what's coming. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. 
Is it marvelous in your eyes that God has chosen His Son to reign over all of the church and to reign in your soul? To be the dispenser of every gift and perfect gift of the Holy Spirit that comes from above? Is that marvelous to you that the Holy Spirit reveals to you those things of Christ alone? Is it precious to you? Ye also are living stones, or lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. There's our purpose, to sing the praises of our Lord and Savior, because it is marvelous in our eyes. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. I will say this about verse 6. That he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Do you ever find yourself confounded in this world? I do. I find myself confounded when I read things, when I see what's going on, even, even in the workplace, even on what's going on in the news, what's, in, what's going on with the grocery store where I'm up there. Sometimes I'm just confounded. But doesn't that make sense that we're confounded when we don't believe? When we're full of unbelief, that's when confoundedness comes in. But to know and to be shown, to be given that hope and that faith to believe, to know that He is reigning, to know that He is that head over me, that everything I have comes from Him, that that is marvelous, there's no being confounded there. There's peace and there's rest in our Savior. But he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's that word again, marvelous. Do you marvel? That he's called you out of darkness. And for you to know that, that means you know you've been in darkness. You know that you walked away, away from that. You know that you've walked away from Christ. You know that you, you're prone to wander. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go back to our text. Because I want to look at Psalm 118 today, not in its entirety. We read that during our scripture reading time. But just look at a few verses this morning that said in this psalm. Because it all fits together. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. What is the Lord's doing? Look at verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endures forever. Do you know that the Lord's mercy for you endures forever? That means it never runs out. As a dad, I know when my children were younger, even now, that mercy that I feel toward them and that compassion, it runs out sometimes. 
I feel so exasperated at times because I too am a fallen sinner. But the Lord's not that way. His, his mercies, which were told in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Those mercies that endures forever are new every morning. I ask the Lord daily to give me faith to understand what those mercies are. Your word says, I am going to have them every day of my life. But I don't see them. I don't see them without the Lord opening my eyes, without the Lord giving me faith to apprehend what He's doing for me, what He's done for me. Every day they're new. And the great is the faithfulness of the Lord to open our eyes to them. I've often said, just to know now, given the faith now to know what He does for me on a daily basis, what will it be not like to know perfectly all the things He kept me from, all the sins He put down, all the hedge that He put me in, all the, the providences in the world that were conspiring against me, all the wicked that was going against me, and the Lord put me in that place, which brings us to that verse 5. I called upon the Lord in distress and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. That large place is a place that He is. He is a large place. He is every grace that we ever need. He is every mercy that we ever need. And that large place is Him. It's communion and union in Him. Where he blocks everyone out, just like he did when the disciples saw him transfigured, and they looked up and they only saw Jesus, and they were so scared and so. But they, when they looked up, they saw Jesus only. That's that place that, in our distress every day, that we have distresses and unbelief, the Lord must set us in that place where it's Christ in us. Not all the people that we have concerns for. Not all the nation that we have concerns for. Because we do have them. But we can never be right and know how to pray and know what to ask unless we have the mind of Him who brings us to this place and sets us in that place. He sets us there. You see that? We, don't, we can't come there on our own. He makes us to lie down in that green path. That's the faithfulness of our Lord. Is that marvelous to you? Is that when you hear how faithful He is, does it put a smile upon your heart and your soul and your face? To say, gosh, this, the Lord is so good to me. The Lord is so good to me. Look at verse 6. The Lord is on my side. Has He said that to you? As I said, all the opposition and all the things that we go through in our workplaces and everything, and we don't feel like people are on our side all the time. We, don't, we certainly don't on the road when we get run off the road or somebody pulls in front. Not everybody's out there on our side. We look at the things in our politicians and things and we get new taxes, we get things that are harder on us. We don't feel like everybody's pulling for us. But that's okay. Because the Scriptures tell us if God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. 
what man can do unto me. Now isn't that something that the psalmist didn't put in there? I won't fear what a lion can do to me. I won't fear what uh, that country over there will do to me. I won't fear what that tornado will do unto me. We have those fears. But the creature used here is man. Our grief in this life, mostly all of our grief, comes from man. We fear man. We fear what others think. We fear what's going to happen. We fear the ones that are in authority over us. What are they going to do? How is it going to affect our life? The Lord is on our side. I will not fear, the psalmist said. Why? Because the Lord is on my side. What can man do unto me? If the Lord is for me, who can be against me? And then look at 8 and 9 under the same idea. It's better to trust in the Lord. That's experience. The Lord has shown him it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man because the arm of the flesh will always fail you because man will always let you down. Any relationship you have, you've been let down by the one who loves you because they too are sinners. And when the Lord shows you that and they struggle with the same things you do, I think that helps with comfort in the relationship, certainly with forgiveness. The Lord gives you that heart to forgive and to love and that love that covers the multitude of sins. It is always better to trust in the Lord than any counsel we get from man. I try to say that because my kids, they, they still thank the Lord, come to me and ask me for counsel almost daily. And I try to tell them that, you know, I'll give them what I think you got to hear it from the shepherd. you got to hear it from the one who, who, who's moving all things for your good if you be in him. Because if you hear his voice, he's not going to lead you wrong. Dad might. Dad can look at the situation and go, well, this is what I'd do based on my understanding, which isn't perfect. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Then to piggyback on that, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That'd be our, nor our, our present day politicians, those that are in authority over us. You say, well, I'd never trust them. But don't we, though? Don't we, don't we wait for the address or don't we wait when we hear rumors and this is going to come out in this new time? We're saying, oh, well, we hope he doesn't do that. We hope he doesn't pass that. We hope this doesn't happen. We hope those lawmakers come together and they do this. Oh, it's much better to trust the Lord who's, who's got the heart of the king in his hand than it ever is to trust the politician or those who have authority over us. I think we all know that. I think we've all been shown that in our life. But we must experience that. Trust here means to, to have faith in, to believe that the Lord is watching out, that Romans 8.28 truly is. He is doing all things for our good. And boy, how we murmur about everything. I find myself doing that every day, murmuring, and something new comes in. Oh, my goodness. You get to that age when you're younger, you can handle those things a lot better, seem to be. Okay, that's new, no big deal, roll up your sleeves. Now, it's like, wow, I've got more to do or there's something else to do. I need the Lord. I need Him to give me that faith to trust in Him. Not to look at man to help, or, but to put... Trust in Him. That's marvelous to me. 
when the Lord takes my eyes off of the helps in this life and causes me to call out to him who is the greatest help in time of need. What about verse 14? The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. Has He become your salvation? The psalmist will say over and over that the Lord is my salvation. All through the, the, the Scriptures we see that. The Lord is my salvation. Well, what's the difference in that terminology, become my salvation? Well, to me... That says to me that there's times I know it in the big picture. I know the Lord is my Savior. But there's many times I lose sight of that. And He becomes my Savior. He applies that salvation over and over. Sean, I've put that sin away. You stumbled again. Your anger was shown again. But my blood has covered that. He's become my salvation again. Not that I ever lost it. But he applied it to me again and said, your sins are forgiven. It didn't happen one time and I heard it when the, when the Lord opened my eyes. No, he applies it over and over and over because he's faithful. Every day of the child of God's life to give us what we have need of. That's what, that's what our text tells us. He's become the headstone. It's the Lord's doing. He is the God sovereign in our lives. Do we rebel against that? Or is it marvelous? Well, that's an easy answer. Our old nature rebels, but our new nature says, It's marvelous, Lord. It's marvelous. I want more of this, Lord. Show me more. Show me more. I do want to love more. I want to believe more. I want to hope in Thee and Thee alone. The Lord is my strength and my song has become my salvation. What about verse 17? I told you he said this. I shall not die. Well, David died. We, we got it on record. David died and they buried him. What could he possibly be talking about? He's going to be immortal the rest of his life? The child of God doesn't die. As soon as we pass this life, we go. our soul goes to be with the Lord. And then, as was said in the last one, the Lord will raise us again, our body, one day to meet the Lord, to have eternal life with the Lord. There's never a separation. Oh, there's a time where our body and soul will not be unless the Lord comes in our day. This is His faithfulness. Is that not marvelous in your eyes that He has provided everything for you in this life? And as soon as you close your eyes in this life for the last time and you take your breath, He has provided everything in the life to come? You say, but it's scary. I don't know about it. You don't have to know about it. He does. That's what faith and hope and love does. It secures that we know that He has taken care of all of He's done it all. I shall not die, but live. I live unto my Lord every day. Paul said it, I die daily. Are you dying daily to the world? Are you dying daily to those things that 
you don't want to be anymore, like Paul said in Romans 7. There's things I do I don't want to do. That's dying. The, the, the very desire that you don't want to do them anymore is dying. You're dying to those things. Because you still you didn't care. But the Lord is showing you those are wrong. Those are sins against me. And you desire so much not to do those things. That's the life of Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Look at the next verse. The Lord has chastened me sore. I said, well, that's kind of out of place. I mean, we're rolling along here with mercies and faith and love. And yeah, we, we, we love those things, but that chastening thing, we're kind of scared of that rod. Yeah. Well, Hebrews 12, 6 tells us, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Every son whom he receiveth. And he receives every one of his children. So that means in this life we will have chastening. We will have that rod of correction. We will be that wandering sheep. But it's out of love. And he said, the Lord has chastened me sore, but he's not given me over unto death. That's what chastening's for, to conform us to his image, to show us in this life what is wrong, what is pleasing to him. To put us back upon the path of his righteousness. The way, the truth, and the life that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. You see the faithfulness of the Lord? Is that marvelous to you? That he knows just how to chasten us out of love? Out of love now. I can honestly tell you back when I was a dad. I mean, I'm still a dad, but I don't spank him anymore. Back in those days, there were times that correction went out with great love. And there were times it didn't. And I'm sure they knew. (laughs) But the Lord always chastens us with love. Love for our soul. Love for the way that we're going. No, come back. Because those sins are grievous to us. They are. They they weigh heavy. They burden. And as the Lord shows you His cleansing power to cleanse us, oh, it's marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. Look at 19 and 20. Open to me the gates of righteousness. What does that tell us? We don't have any. I hope you come before the Lord with no righteousness but His. That's what Isaiah said. He said in 64, 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Do you hear that? All our iniquities are like the wind. It takes us away from from the Lord. It takes us away from that sound mind. It takes us away from that resting in the Lord. That's what our righteousnesses and our sins do. It puffs us up and it sets ourselves up as something that we're not. It takes the, the crown off our Lord and puts it upon our head. The psalmist says, oh, open to me the gates of righteousness and I will go into them. I can't, open, I can't go into them unless you open them and bring me into them. I'll praise the Lord for them. 
because he is the Lord, our righteousness. Which Jeremiah 23, 6 tells us. He shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Is he the Lord, your righteousness? Because if he is, I'm pretty sure that's a marvelous thing to you. That he clothes us with a garment that his Father will see that is acceptable to invite us into that wonderful banquet. To see his Son's righteousness wrapped around us, imputed to us, given to us as our own. That's what we have need of. That's what we must have. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. This gate of the Lord. It's His. His righteousness. And it's the only way the righteous who are made righteous in Him will enter. Then we get to all of, I mean we say all of those things in, in the psalm and then we come back to our text. And, and, and then it tells us something. It puts us back in the proper perspective. The stone which the builders refused. And, and, and we sit there and we say, Oh, you horrible man. How could you refuse him? But the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And he convicts us of our daily walk. Of how we do not believe. How we do walk away from him. How we do murmur and complain. How we do rebel. Yeah, the stone which the builders refuse, he's become the headstone of the corner. There's no disputing that fact that Christ is the chief cornerstone. We showed that in the scriptures. First song we sang today said this very same thing. He is the chief cornerstone. We sang those words about our Lord and Savior being in Christ. Do you believe that? You believe that anything you have is because you're built upon Him and it flows through Him and that's the only way you have anything. And, and that's, that's as we come to 23, we're faced with that and we say, yes, we do fall short every day, but then He tells us, this is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing. It's His great work that we believe. It's His great work. We love Him because He first loved us. It's His work. And we take that sea law and, and that say, Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because in these hands dwells no good thing. In this flesh dwells no good thing, Lord. Praise you that you've overcome that. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. That's our question this morning. I'm going to leave you with it. Is it marvelous in your eyes? Oh, may the Lord be true in every man a liar. May He show us this morning His marvelous grace. Grace that is greater than our sin. Show us the depth of it. Show us our need of Him. As we walk from this place today. Oh, may He give us a desire every day to get up and thirst for Him. For his righteousness. May he make us dead to this world. It is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And then that verse comes. You notice that? This is the day. The day he reigns 
in our soul. The day he reigns over us, do you see that every day? That that's the day the Lord has made? There's only one way to rejoice in it. And that's when he shows us his righteousness and all that he has done for us. Boy, I've had that said to me sometimes. I've heard that when I'm having a really rough day. Well, this is the Lord's day. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Well, absolutely. If it's left to me, I'm not going to rejoice in those days. Even though Romans 8.28 tells me it's all working for my good. We need Him, don't we? Is it marvelous to you that we need Him? Is it marvelous to you that it is the Lord's doing? It is to me. May the Lord allow and enable all of us to enter into that rest that's in Him alone. And I'll leave you with the very last words of this song. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. May impress that upon us all today. Dear Heavenly Father, most gracious Lord, add Thy power and Thy clarity to Thy word. Thank Thee, Lord, for the words I was given today, the day that we have had in Thee, Lord. It has been precious and marvelous because You have made it that way. To thee be all glory for great things thou hast done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.